When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, David Lighting. Here with me today is Matt and Mike. How are you guys doing today? Lovely. I'm doing great. So some big news for the show. Uh, I don't know, Mike, if you want me to announce it or Matt or, or who wants to, to break the news here. What about you coming aboard? About me taking Mike's spot as the host, not just oh, aboard. No. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We So we literally just came back today. What is it? Thursday. We came back from whatever government office to remove the host from Mike Jokum's birth certificate. Oh, it's no. a big hassle if nobody out there has ever done it. So instead of being host Mike the seventh, you're now just Mike Jokum again. I'm so sad. It's been a great run though. So yeah, what was your favorite memory as host Mike? I, there's there's just so many. I don't I don't know where to start. The emotions right now are really really overcoming me is this like when you get a boat they say the best day of owning a boat is the day you get it the day you sell it so the best day of being the host was the day you became host and the day that you were no longer the host <laughs> yeah does that mean i don't have to edit the f1 episode that releases in three hours oh yeah i has got that now yeah like yeah. i bet michelle's gonna love that <laughs> she is she is so you guys ready to set a scene should we set the scene here yeah, yes. let's do it. I don't know. I okay. don't know what's coming tonight. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I know. Uh, lighting's going to lead us a little IndyCar hype here. And Mike and I have no idea what's about to happen. So I have a little background music I'm going to be playing as I set this scene. So I hope that it comes through. If it doesn't, Mike, stop me and we'll have to, to improvise. But I want you both to close your eyes. I want all the listeners to close their eyes. Sit back. Relax. Again, I'm setting the scene here. This isn't going to be a Marco clip, is it? No, definitely not. All right, so imagine yourself. It's a cool, crisp Saturday morning. You're walking out of your tent, camper. For the only time today, you can hear the PA system clearly as they give you a rundown of the on-track activity to come. You smell the faint smell of uh, fire pit burning from last night. Uh, maybe someone grilling some, some bacon and eggs for breakfast. Uh, you hear some cars warming up in the distance. Like I said, it's Saturday. Today's qualifying day. So, you know, you have today and all day tomorrow with the track, followed with a uh, fun night of uh, activities with friends. So I'm going to stop right there. 
I want you two to tell me what track you just pictured yourself at. Well, you know my answer. And they can't be the same answer. They must be different. Oh, I know it's not. I know Mike's answer is not my answer. I, I. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see, they've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashion You. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star, a new series from Crowd Network. I was going to say... If you say Road America, I will punch you through the laptop. I'm, I would, I, I, honestly, that was the obvious answer for the combination of the three of us right now, but I am not going to steal that from you. So, so I will the only thing missing it. from his imagery was David Lighting waking up 30 feet from me. It's the only thing yeah. that was missing out of that. <laughs> so I'll take I'll take Indy. I know you're gonna take Road America. David will probably take Road America. No, no, I'm just the scene setter. I'm oh, not okay. at any of these. I'm okay. setting the scene for you. So Mike said host Indy. are you? No, I'm I'm letting I'm just letting it flow, boys. I'm just letting it flow. Well, as so Mike said, you have to understand that you're gonna get a lot of crap now because that's oh that's Mike's, fine. That's my I'm job. built for it. Yeah. <laughs> So, Mike, you're at Indy. Matt, you're at Road America. You hear the first cars hit the track off in the distance. Just that sweet sound of an IndyCar engine off in the distance. You can hear the engines kind of rumbling over the PA system. You already smell burning rubber, some race fuel. The first cars start making their way around the track. It's only on install laps, but you still get some goosebumps as they come by. You get a small lump in your throat. God damn, those cars look good. Sorry if I swore. I'm new to this. <laughs> we'll allow it you look around and there's people everywhere there's people wearing those jersey things they most likely say go daddy dhl or nap on it because for some reason those damn jerseys are always andretti autosport it's about this time of the day you reach into your cooler for a cold beverage what are you reaching into the cooler for uh spotted cow absolutely am i gonna be lame and say coffee because it's no kick the no, you can't say that word. I know I can't say that word, but come on, man! You're gonna you're gonna dip into your cooler for some coffee. What about the the bush? It doesn't bush have like a bush coffee a bush coffee one now. PBR does. PBR, PBR does. does. Okay, I'm taking a PBR coffee beverage. What is that? Water mixed with one coffee bean? What does PBR coffee look like? I don't know. Oh, it's pretty good. It's oh, pretty good. Yeah. Okay, you oh, have to good. bring me one for Road America then. I guess. Yeah, I'll bring you four. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're going to fast forward a little bit now. So Matt's at Road America enjoying a spot of cow. Mike's on his 10th. By the way. Yeah, they better be. (laughs) Mike's on his his 10th hard coffee because he has a caffeine addiction. I mean, that's not wrong. (laughs) It's not as accurate, yeah. (laughs) Close your eyes. It's now 2.15 in the afternoon. Your buzz is starting to peak. You can feel your skin crisping because you are a moron and forgot that you have such fair skin. Oh, that's a Matt. That's a Matt. (laughs) Shut up. Keep going. The road to India is running, but at this point, you're not concerned with who's on track because you're absolutely starving. You've been so consumed with on-track action, alcoholic beverages, and 
and visiting with friends that you forgot to eat. So it's time to take a lunch break. What's the move, boys? What are we eating? Corn of the cob. Well, I know what I'm not eating, and it's not a tenderloin because they haven't been good at the track in many years. So I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get two hot dogs and some nachos and sit and sit under the grandstands for a little bit. Can we can we appreciate that part of this story was that we were both getting off of our buzz, except yours was a caffeine buzz and mine was probably because I was incoherently <laughs> walking around Road America. Also accurately depicted that you never wear sunscreen and severe <laughs> caffeine addiction. So this is this is like strangely like I feel like he's like purposely putting jazz. Did you Wikipedia this before you came in or what? Oh, the host knows his boys. That's all oh. I can say. All right, keep going. All right, we get, we're going to finish the scene off. Remember, keep those eyes closed, people. It's finally time for qualifying. You decide now is a good time for a lemonade instead of insert whatever cold beverage you were enjoying, coffee or spotted cow. But I'm there and I peer pressure you into one of my famous vodka water and crystal lights. Sorry, it's going to be a long night. Cars hit the track and you can't help but smile as you soak in the drunk speed of these cars, the smell of burning rubber, race fuel, and the cheering fans around you. Now open your eyes and get ready for the next era of pit lane parlay. Wow. Is this like the IndyCar hype era? Basically. All right, wait. So can you tell people, home, I, I, I feel like I know you pretty well, right? Is that a safe assumption? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have never once seen you drink vodka, water, and crystal light. Yes, you have. You absolutely have. When did I miss that? It's usually just beer and shots with Jill. Oh, no, no, no. Very often in my little uh, drawstring backpack where I tend to carry around a water bottle that's about half filled with vodka, a couple crystal light packets. And oh, then I do remember the plastic bottle water, water bottle now that you yeah. say that. And then I'm a like, little tumbler. I, I'm not, way to do it. I don't know if judging was the right word, but uh, no, hey, actually, Sammy has one of those like hiking backpacks. With like the water bottle in the backpack and the tube. Should I bring that for you for your vodka? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds dangerous. So David, for those at home going, that sounds like a great idea. What is your crystal light flavoring of choice to mix with a beverage? Oh, hands down lemonade. Hands down lemonade. Or like yellow or pink? Uh, yellow. The pink one's good because you get the variety packs sometimes. Um, but steer clear of like the raspberry teas. Those uh, Those get a little goofy. Guys, we're not talking any more IndyCar tonight. It is all crystal light from here on out. Um, okay. mm-hmm. um, well, anyways, I think it's at this point we can uh, kind of reveal that. Well, the scene was great. That was 100% serious and a great job by David. Uh, but it is April Fool's Day, and David is sadly not a host. And Well, he is the host for tonight, but he's, his first name is no, not host. And Mike no. is still host Mike the 7th. Sorry. Uh, but... David is, uh, there's been, um, shall we say some doom and gloom and I'm not, I'm not blaming certain media out there for releasing a certain episode that came out a week ago about how IndyCar marketing has been atrocious. How dare so far. I know who would ever do that. And it was a shame that a bunch of people had a positive reception to that. And we really appreciate that. But, um, that's not to take away from the fact that we do, as we said several times in the episode, we do love IndyCar still. And David had this great idea for a little hype episode. And we've already got the scene set. So now we're already kind of getting in the mood to get to a track. So guest host, David Whiting, where are we going first? 
So I just want to say I got myself hyped up by looking up these videos today to like try to time the right sounds to what was going oh, on because all of a sudden was fantastic. I just started like putting myself into these scenes and I was like, oh, I love this. I miss this. And uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't feeling some doom and gloom too. I mean, it's been a really long off season. Obviously, it's been a a really weird year. There's just been a lot of stuff going on, uh, you know, within the racing world and outside of the racing world. And I thought, you know, it's it's time that we bring some energy, bring some positivity and think about all the the good things that we love about uh, the beloved sport of IndyCar racing. So tonight I get to interview the interviewers and I'm pretty pumped for that. Is that what's I, happening? I yeah. really like episodes where I don't have to prepare anything and don't have to do like I don't have to think. So I'm very excited. Yeah, that was called last week's episode. Well, last week we did do it on the fly, but I still had to think. So <laughs> I had to be had to be cognizant of what I was saying still. All right. So you're interviewing us. Like I said at the beginning, yeah. so the, the ambiance scene, we had no idea about that. We don't have no idea what's coming up next. If you're uh, under the age of 16, I can't promise that this is clean, uh, but we'll do our best here. I don't know what lighting's about to do to us. Well, we'll start nice and easy. We'll start nice and easy. So I have a feeling you guys have probably told these stories before, All but right. out of my sheer curiosity and potentially the curiosity of others, could you just give us the quick cliff notes version of how you got into IndyCar racing? Start with Matt. Uh, yeah. So my parents are big IndyCar fans and I believe my first race was gateway 99. So I actually did get to see Greg Moore in a race, which was super cool and something I really cherish. And one of my only memories, I think it was 99. I'm pretty sure it was. Cause one of my only memories was the cool cars crashing each other. So that would have been Frank Heaty and Tracy. And then, yeah, I mean, I didn't, it was, I was still really young at the time. I was like six. So I didn't really have a kind of a grasp on racing. It wasn't until about 05, 06 that I really got into it and started watching my parents all the time. And from there, I kind of, you know, I did like NASCAR more back in the day. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but then they kind of got harder to watch and IndyCar to me got a little more appealing. And then I got onto Twitter and it kind of, I've been on Twitter forever, but it kind of just took off from there and met a lot of fine folks. And I really, it really helped me appreciate the sport a lot. If you guys want something fun to do, look up old hickey tweets from his old account. They don't exist. <laughs> but can't, isn't, didn't we find like there was like a hashtag or something like that, that we, you could Oh say. yeah. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to actually say if it. you, if you want to, if you want to know about it, just DM me. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Anyway, I mean, my story, you know, my my dad worked for CART back in the day, probably until, and I don't know when, when he stopped, but it, let's just say the early 90s. My grandpa and great-grandpa were for USAC when Trenton Speedway and Langhorne Speedway still existed and were pit lane officials before when pit lane officials were more kind of like regionalized, so... They did a lot of, you know, those tracks in Pocono, and then they would take trips kind of up and down the East Coast a lot. And so I always joke that I had no choice but to become a race fan from when I was born. My first race was Nazareth. I don't know what year it was. It was the early 90s. I used to go in the grandstands while my dad was working on pit lane, and my grandpa was supposed to be watching to watching me, but he could never keep up with me, and I would just kind of like run around. So I'm going to guess and say it was probably 92 or 93 was my first one. And I was at every Nazareth race until 
Nazareth was no longer on the IndyCar calendar in 04? Five, I think, was the last one. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. Like, I, I look back and look at the guys that I saw race, like Weldon and, and you know, young Scott Dixon and young Tony Kanata. I'm like, wow, I saw guys, like, and didn't appreciate what I was seeing. But then again, you know, I was eight, nine, ten years old. So, but, yeah, I have a picture of Trenton Speedway and Lloyd Ruby behind me on my wall and another one of AJ Foyt at Pocono on my wall. And I have a whole desk full of old Trenton Speedway photos from the sixties somewhere in one of my desk drawers that will get hung up in my office one day, even though I've lived here for four years and I still haven't gotten around to it. I can't wait for the month. I can't wait for Mike's mailbag. Oh, Oh Lord. I don't listen. If I ever, if we ever do a pit lane parlay mailbag, Please, please, please don't ask about Cleveland. Don't ask about Milwaukee. Don't tell, don't ask me about what's going to go on with the Indy 500 attendance. What else do they always ask about? Don't ask about Marco or Sage Karam. No, no yeah, no, no disrespect to, to either of those guys. But yeah, yeah. And and don't tell me how IndyCar should be back on dirt. Okay, I've gone, I've rambled on enough now, David. Mike, it, it's pretty ironic that you mentioned Sage and Marco, considering they're from your, your same neck of your woods. So you'd think that's who you'd want to talk about. But listen, not. I like I like Sage and I I hope he gets a ride at some point and does more than just the Indy 500. But we do need to talk about more than just Sage and these stupid Robin Miller mailbags. Yes, but this is we a hype need to talk about other positivity. Exactly, exactly. So on that, we're talking about how you guys became fans. Obviously, you're a little bit more than fans now. Uh, but set the Indianapolis 500 aside. Is there like one memory that sticks out to you as a fan that you're like, man, that was really cool to see either in person or even on TV? So mine was you know, back when I was younger and it was the year or two after my dad was no longer doing timing and scoring for cart slash IndyCar. And his, this was, he had a paper hard card back in the day and Nazareth didn't really care and kind of let us in the pit and paddock area still. Hopefully nobody who was working back then is listening to this, but and I got to go meet AJ Foyt, and I was probably six or seven years old. And I'll never remember. Now I can't demonstrate this other than to you guys because you guys can see my video. But he shook my hand in a way where he like grabbed my thumb instead of my whole hand. And you know, AJ was he was a big dude, so like he almost took my arm out of my my socket. And I remember that like vividly, being just like, oh my god, he just he just literally destroyed my arm. And then later that day, I've got the picture down here, and I'll post this on social media when the episode comes out, of me sitting in Adrian Fernandez's car. Uh, it was either that year or you know, around that time, but I was very little here. I had to be like six or seven years old at the most. I look real goofy, so I'll leave it at that. Mike, I'm just picturing like the SpongeBob like handshake when like people grab his arm and his whole arm just like goes up and down through his body. I'm just picturing AJ Foyt doing that to you. Yeah, pretty accurate. Me? Um, it's it's difficult because 
on TV, there are so many great moments. Obviously, there's a couple every season where you're just like, wow, that was cool. I th- I'm thinking like you know the 2011 Indy 500 finish, 2016 Indy 500 finish, 2017 Indy 500 finish, <laughs> uh, on and on. Uh, Sao Paulo 2013. But I think for me, the most vivid memories are the ones you make live as a fan. And so I thought, I mean, obviously, because it's, you know, really fresh in my head. I thought, um, who was it, Pato versus Felix last year at the end of Road America. I thought that was yeah. super cool. Uh, getting to see that from turn five was awesome. I think it was kind of encompassing of the whole weekend, though. And I think that's kind of the the thing I've really come to appreciate with racing. And, you know, I don't want to get sidetracked. I think social media sucks. I think it's it's a sometimes can be a force of negativity but if it wasn't for social media i have, wouldn't have been able to meet a lot of great people and then therefore you know hadn't i met david then i wouldn't have gone to the track camped with him and then got to meet like jill and everybody at turn one that we got to you know form a close bond with and now it's like you know we have a bunch of plans this summer and a uh, place to go people to see and things like that but i'm really looking forward to getting to road america and hanging out with the crew again and you know i think that alone even if the race was absolutely terrible that weekend just hanging with with the friends and whatnot and seeing some family out there my parents will be there so running into them too and hanging out with them i think it's just gonna be awesome so i think that's what i take most away from indy cars moments like that also shout out to colton hurt seeing colton hurt his first win in person at circuit of the americas in 2019 that was a really fun post-race celebration that I, you know, was right down on pit lane for. So that was, that was really cool from, you know, more recent times. Absolutely. Um, let's talk drivers, but not the ones from Nazareth. We'll talk different drivers. Okay. So I want to know. No Sage Karam? No, no Sage Karam. No Marco. Um, no Marco, but maybe Michael for a later, later question. Um, who is there an obscure driver who you always kind of whether it was publicly cheered for or internally cheered for and by obscure you know i mean someone with a short career or you know maybe just was never really well known never got a win never podiumed something like that just some some obscure driver are you googling maybe right outside now? the last maybe outside the yeah, last two yeah. or three years he's googling um I'm bertrand baguette 100 the bag man he raced, I think, what, like 15 races in IndyCar, you know, all but one were with Conquest and then his Indy 500 in 2011, where he was leading with like six laps to go or whatever. Uh, I don't know why. I He just had this way about him. He's just kind of this dorky little dude uh, from Belgium, just kind of looks you know, just kind of like your average chess player or something. And <laughs> he just comes out and just like, he just, dude, just sort of like no fear in a car that was with, when he was with conquest was just absolute junk, but he kind of took the Indy car pretty quick. Seemed like he had a lot of fun, was really, you know, nice on social media and in person. And uh, I don't know why he just left an impression with me. And I think part of it too, is his name was just super cool. It's just like Bertrand baguette just kind of rolls off the tongue and, <laughs> His parents deserve massive props for uh, just a name that really fits. Just Bertrand Baguette just loved it. So we're talking like under the radar type of drivers that I really liked. He's definitely up there for sure. 
I don't know if I have. I'm, I'm as Matt saw. I am literally googling. First thing he did was googled. <laughs> I am. I am Wikipediaing through teams and drivers in IndyCar in like the nineties. Okay, if you can't but, think of one, we're de factoing the James Jakes. Oh boy, That's anything. Fair. Oh boy, uh, let's see here. How about eh, under the radar? Mark dies more because is more is more. Um, I I don't know because he he was okay, but only ran a handful of races. He he did have a win once. He raced for a bunch of years, and he was like Scott Sharp's teammate. I guess that's his kind of. And he ran in Menards a couple times. He did, yes. Shout out to Menards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Lord. I. I'm I'm not the best for that one, but I'll go with that. Is there a, like a driver you obscurely hated for irrational reasons? Hey, that was my next question. Oh, dang. I'm sorry, Lighting. I was just trying to <laughs> no, get him to. Uh, no, that's perfect. That's a good feed. Let's hear it. You That means you definitely have one, Matt. If you ask the question, that means you absolutely have one. So what is it? Obscure driver? I asked the question. I already forgot. It. Obscure driver that I irrationally hated? For no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Well, it can't be like Danica, right? That's too obvious. Yeah, yeah it's too obvious. All right. Let me think on it for a second. I have one. And it's more because when his wife was interviewed on TV, she was always super annoying. And that would be Dario when he was still married to Ashley Judd. And she just annoyed the hell out of my dad and I to the point where like, I didn't want Dario. And and like looking back on it, I'm like, wow, like I really should have rooted for him because he's he was such a, a good talent and like i i almost like feel guilty about it but in in the moment like i couldn't stand him because i couldn't stand like when he would do well they would always pan to her and talk to her on pit lane i'm gonna go with buddy rice interesting um i think the primary logic there was because uh he kind of lo- so kenny breck got hurt at the end of 03 and obviously life altering injuries and wasn't going to be ready for the 2004 season. So like Ray Hall Letterman kind of just scrambled and hired Buddy Rice who had a okay year with Red Bull Cheever. And he just happens into a really good combo of Pano's chassis, a pretty well-funded team and the superior Honda engines back when IndyCar still had uh, Toyota and Chevy as well. And so when I get to the 04 500, like, yeah, I'm not sitting here and saying he's not talented because obviously he was a talented driver, but I just feel like he kind of really lucked into that whole situation for the 04 Indy 500 and winning that and beating TK, which, you know, up until 2013, like really annoyed me that that was like one of TK's best shots to win. And then, you know, Danica shows up in 05 and everybody kind of forgets about Buddy Rice. And once everybody switches to Honda engines, whenever the other two pull out, uh, he kind of just was, yeah, just kind of tanked average. Um, didn't really do a whole lot. He actually had a pretty decent year with Dryer and Reinbold in 08, which was pretty bad equipment, but just never, I don't know, never did a whole lot for me. I'm sure he's a really nice guy, but I, the 04 8500 and the fact that we have to call him an 8500 champion while he had a great race is still kind of annoys me a little bit. That's fair. That's fair. So just for, for context, my, uh, my two drivers that I would say were my obscure, uh, Good and bad. that I rooted for. Uh, Hideki Muto was a driver that I rooted for. Interesting. And I don't Lost. know how obscure that is because he raced with Andretti and everything, but 
<laughs> the reason being was at Milwaukee one year. I was down at the exit of uh, pit lane during qualifying. And they were just getting ready to start. And we were standing by one of the porta potties there. And all of a sudden, out comes Hideki Muto out of the porta potty. And I like, at this point, I mean, shoot, what year did he run? It had to be like 08, 09. So he did one race in 07, then the full season's 08, 09, and 10 with Newman Haas. Okay. So it was probably his first full season with Andretti. So I was probably 13 years old. And I see this guy come out of the porta potty, which if you've never seen Hideki Muto in person, he's also <laughs> just a tiny human. And I literally just yelled his name, Hideki. And he looked at me with the biggest smile in the entire world, waved at me, gave me a thumbs up and like came over and gave me a fist bump. And I was like, man, any guy that's cool enough to just roam out of a porta potty and come like give you a fist bump is a pretty cool guy. And then I thought about it after the fact, I was like, actually, that's pretty gross. Cause he definitely did not wash his hands after that. <laughs> Dude, that's like those kind of moments though. Like that's going to live with you forever. And all it took was yeah. for him to just like come over and give you a fist bump. Yeah, just one of those weird things. And then for like obscure drivers that I didn't like, I was never a fan of Carlos Cuetes and never was a fan of his. Who was? Yeah, uh, that's that's a good point. But just from like day one, that guy rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just kind of how he interviewed or how like the look on his face, but he just bugged me. Or his luck sack win because of Dale Coyne. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I think it was, it was like only like he got like two top tens that year, and one of them was that win. Yeah, it was all all Colombian podium. Yeah, that's weird. All right, so this one's a little bit out of left field. Ah, it's not that far out of left field, actually. Uh, we'll start with you this time, Matt. If you could invent one new rule or bring back an old rule for IndyCar to adopt, what would it be? Double file restarts. Mine too. Let's go. Oh, I just got the what up from David Lighting after that answer. Pound his chest. Um, yeah, so I think double file restarts are a gimmick. And I think that it can ruin a lot of people's races who were like, so let's say there's a crash with 15 laps to go at Road America. And you know, if I was a leader or whatever, top five, I'd be beside myself if i have to do a double file restart because i know that's just going to lead to trouble in turn one or whatever and i know my race might be ruined and you know you're, you're just gonna have to do it again when there's yellow and you're gonna have to do it again and again but it's so fun as a fan just like not knowing what's expected like oh my god there's gonna be a restart like re-watching 2011 when it was at every track and then at 2012 i think it was on ovals ah oh, except for the indy 500 but it's like oh god these are so fun um, so yes, it would, you know, potentially ruin a lot of people's races and whatnot, but I think it's one way to make races more entertaining without like going too above and beyond. Could you imagine Alexander Rossi and double file restarts at Indianapolis? Oh my, oh God. my God. And then like, that's the thing. Like they only did double file once at Indy and that was 2011 and every yeah. restart was just nuts. They were like four or five wide in the short shoot going into turn two. And I'm like, when have you ever seen that? Like Elliot yeah. had to take the escape road on that one that Schechter took overtook like 20 cars in a lap. Like Elliot was like, I'm out of here. And he just took the escape road. So I will go with the elimination of double points. We can keep qualifying points for Indy, but otherwise qualify uh, double double points are completely out the window. That's fair. That's fair. Matt, I'm kind of surprised you didn't do a uh, single lap qualifying on road courses, to be honest. Oh. oh, Mike was going to take that one. 
Yeah. Uh, I kind of forgot. That's another, yeah, single lap and or, yeah, single lap or just aggregate. Because the F1 system after now looking into it was aggregate. So they did one on Friday and one on Saturday and the combiner times. So that way it wasn't just like one and done. But I think, yeah, I think that would be another good one. So what are your thoughts on the primary versus alternate tires? I just feel like that's a debate that hasn't really been had in a while. Like, do you love it? Do you hate it? Indifferent? I mean, I know IndyCar and F1 obviously has different tire compounds, but. Yeah. And I don't know how much of an F1 guy you are. If you follow it, love it, watch it sometimes, don't care. Follow it. Okay. I, ever since they went to three tire compounds, I think that's been fascinating. Cause I think, I think three would be a max. So I wouldn't want them to go to like four. Cause I think then it gets a little much. But just like having a third compound, I think in IndyCar would be something to consider. Like, because I, I genuinely feel like the reds and, and the blacks are are good starting point and like adds a little bit of intrigue. But you know, like, I'll, it'll never go away from me. Detroit nineteen when when Mike and I were there, like they were just saying like, oh yeah, the reds are good for about three laps and then they die. I'm like, well, that's kind of lame. Well, so it's, I feel like either the reds are like useless and they only last four laps or the reds are bulletproof and last forever. And I feel like we haven't found that like happy medium yet. So it's, it adds strategy and intrigue, but I don't, I don't feel like it's completely as good as it could be. I also feel like sometimes when they say, oh yeah, we changed something in, in, in the reds or the, the primaries, the tires sometimes are like too similar. So there's not enough of a, a difference between the two and then kind of takes away from the strategy game and F1 with its three different tire compounds. If, if IndyCar did something like that, it does open up the strategy book a lot more. And when there's more strategy, there's more to talk about during the broadcast and there's a lot more excitement going on. So I think it would add excitement without, and I don't know, can't, can't be that hard for Firestone to add another tire compound. I mean, well, they have limited testing, especially in the road courses. So I do sympathize for them. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. last year when they were just kind of like making decisions. It's like they had kind of not a whole lot to go on. But last year can be written off. Yeah. But yeah, I think if it's financially viable, three, three compounds would be kind of fun. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I was looking back at some old champ car stats the other day. And the, I remember when they had the alternates, the alternates were so bad then. You'd have guys like you were just saying, Matt, run, you know, three laps at the beginning of the race, come in, take them off and just run the primaries the rest of the race. Yeah. And like that, that defeats the whole purpose, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Another outside of left field question. We'll start with you, Mike. If your co-host Matt was an IndyCar team owner, who would he be? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. How nice or how mean do I want to be on this one? My contract expires on December 31st. (laughs) So whatever it is, I have to live with it for eight months. Let's go with. Okay. So you're definitely better than an, than an AJ Foyt. What's that supposed to mean? (laughs) I had to find some way to sneakily dig, dig in there. I would say you are an Andretti. I think you always have really bring bring good ideas to the table, and Andretti always has you know big big stable of cars because he's coming up with a bunch of different ideas and business ideas and and all that. So 
I'm going to go with you are the Michael Andretti host. Only only one of us three has Michael Andretti like facial hair. Yes, and that is not me. That is definitely David. And I don't have facial hair, so I don't know who that makes me. Um, yeah, I was trying to find a way to bridge you to Dale Coyne. I couldn't. So then I'm going to go with uh, James Sullivan because as of about three years ago, I had no idea who James Sullivan was. And he probably seems like a guy I would want to get a beer with. I like it. And for those who don't know, it's, it's the Sully, the Sullivan and Vassar Sullivan. I think his name is James. Did I butcher that? No, I think you're right. All right. Also sounds like a Monsters Inc. character. I could be wrong. That's fair. That's fair. For uh, So I was thinking that in my head. So, Mike, I was going to have Matt as Andretti as well. And Matt, I liked where your head was going because I was going to have Mike as Dale Coyne as just like a <laughs> like a super low-key, like nothing fancy about him whatsoever. Just like straight to the point. Hey, I'm going to win you some races and I'm going to give some people a shot. You guys are just like me. Just give me a me, shot. You guys' image of me is too high. I'm Andretti and he's Coyne. How did that happen? <laughs> is that opposite thing? <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, I'll take it. <laughs> All right. What's All next? right. Staying on the, the, the note of people, you kind of touched on it earlier, Matt, but um, since you guys have gotten into the sport of IndyCar and maybe a little bit more specifically since you started getting more involved with the podcast, the two of you, um, who are some of the coolest people you've met through the sport, either celebrity or non-celebrity? It could be either or. Did this just turn into the David Lighting hype show? No, no, no. I was gonna, I was gonna uh, add the. Yeah, uh, right. I, no, whatever. I meant to add the, you know, the note that excluding anyone on this podcast. Yeah, whatever. Well, I will genuinely, obviously, you know, met Mike, and we've had a great thing going here. And uh, shout out to Jess too for uh, starting something really cool here. Um, believe it or not, random fact: I've ever never actually met Jess in person. <laughs> Last year was gonna be the year. And then now everything got uh, postponed or canceled. So um, to be determined next time I can be in the same place as Jess. Um, but yeah, so obviously, you know, getting invited on the podcast is super cool and wouldn't have done that without meeting them. And, you know, obviously David, uh, dude's my hype man. He's at my wedding. He's uh, a pretty awesome dude. And his wife, Michelle, are both amazing people. And, and then de facto through them to Jill and everybody at turn one who uh, I'm actually staying with this year. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and then, yeah, I had the great fortune of going to the media center last year. So I got to meet a guy like Eric Smith, who I think is one of the nicest and he's really funny, really funny guy. For those who don't know, um, was it Eric race review is yeah. I think his Twitter handle does a great job. And then other people I met, Jake Neely, Swinger, Stig. Um, Why did your face just turn when I said Jake Neely? <laughs> Mike actually likes Jake Neely, for those who don't know. I do. Um, Marty Smith. Got to meet him in Iowa with Mike. Um, Jeff Lacey, Abby Lacey. I feel like I'm missing a bunch of people. I'm sorry if I haven't mentioned you yet, but anybody I've met at a track, I've I've had a positive experience with and i'm really thankful for that so um to anybody i've met 
when I did my film at uh, Iowa for the food review j- uh, lighting, uh, guys like, oh, you got to do the food review? I'm like, yeah, that's me. I mean, they've only been up for like three weeks, but I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I remember getting that tweet and I was like, I, I wasn't there, but. Um, so yeah, just anybody I've met at the track has been a really positive experience. I really appreciate that from everybody out there. So yeah, kind of adding on to what Matt said, everybody who's part of team pit lane and, and chats with us on a daily basis is super cool and means a lot to me. You know, we have our F1 gaming leagues and, and those guys in that, that I've actually got to meet and, you know, Frenchie and, and, you know, me, Frenchie and lighting pretty much, uh, you know, game more often than just the league now and just kind of, you know, hang out and talk. And it's, it's fun because we don't get to, you know, really go anywhere as at least last year. And yeah, Eric Smith is a gem and Matt keeps raising his hand, but I'm going to keep talking for another no, minute. No, I'm just trying to get lighting's attention. He didn't see me yet. Oh, okay. And then shout out to somebody who it's really distracting. I've become good friends with in the road to Indy and Toby Sowery and, and Toby's given me a lot of insight into what it takes to be a road to Indy driver and all the struggles he went through last year during COVID. So yeah, I can't focus anymore because Matt is, is waving his hands incessantly on air to distract me. And, and it is working because it's late at night. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I thought of three more. I forgot to mention that Stephen King, who was an absolute gem when we met him in Iowa. It's photographer, right? He's a uh, human. Yes. <laughs> the author. Yes, yes correct. The, the author. And then uh, also at Iowa was uh, Denevsky and Colin Taylor, who are also in our racing league. So they were also very kind and very awesome. So, um, yeah, lighting. What about you? Well, I think one of the things that's really cool about oh, Paige Hill. I How did I forget Paige Hill? I'm sorry, Paige. You're awesome, jerk. I know. I'm forgetting jerk. everybody. No, I think one of the things that's really cool, and you kind of talked about earlier, Matt, is like social media can be a pretty dark place at times, and just a dream place in general. Yeah, draining. I mean, you've seen the crap i have to put up with other packer fans on packers twitter is one of the oh, ugliest man. places on you this guys don't know planet. how good you have it good lord try Ugh. being a bears fan oh i, I Philadelphia get sports fan but one of the things that's been really cool is you know matt obviously getting to know you at the track a few years ago and then through you getting to know people like mike jess matt frenchie jeff again the list kind of goes on and on but one of the things you know growing up you know as a green bay packers fan you have other friends that are packers fans but it's not like you had a ton of other friends that were race fans and being able to kind of connect with people that are of the same age and, you know, kind of the same personality as you has been really, really cool. And something that I'm incredibly thankful for too, because as much as I've got my wife into IndyCar racing, I don't think she needs to talk about the silly season updates all the time with me or talk about different tire compounds and stuff like that. So for me, it's definitely been the people. Uh, I mean, there's definitely been, funny encounters at the track. Uh, like the time I met Bobby Ray Hall when I was wearing a Marvel Team Penske shirt when I was six years old and he refused to sign it because it wasn't one of his. But then, uh, or no, that was my dad was wearing the Team Penske shirt, but he still signed my shirt. And stories like that where, again, he was giving us a hard time, but just kind of cool memories. But for sure, it's the, you know, the friends that I've made, which is pretty cool. Or Mohawk photographer guy. Yeah, Mohawk. It, hey, if he listens to this, 
He's got to know that that dude is like a celebrity in our eyes. I know you need to find <laughs> us on social media so we can reach out to you. And so we can tell you how great your hair is. It says he looks like very, Paul Tracy with a mohawk. Yes. Very strong looking male. Got gray facial hair and some sort of multicolored mohawk that's, you know, shaved. So it's just the hair with shaved head on both sides, but he's got the very pronounced mohawk and always has a big camera with him taking pictures. If you listen to the show by chance, please reach out to us because we would love to meet you. I have seen you at every race I've gone to for the last six years. And I've always wanted to just come up to you and introduce myself. And I just never have this number. I even saw you at Iowa last year when there was like 3000 fans or whatever. Yeah. I got a picture. I can prove it. Yeah. It's just like, it's fate almost that we just run into this guy every year, but never say anything. So I, if you happen, if you, if you know who I'm talking about, or if you listen to the show, please reach out to us because we would love to meet you this year. Our first race, probably road America. So road America. Now I got that out of the way. I don't know why I've been holding that in for three years. Yeah. Holy smokes. I was like pent up for a long time. (laughs) I just really want to meet that guy. So I can see the exhaustion setting in on former host or current host Mike's face. So I'll rattle through these last few somewhat quickly. Uh, This one is actually kind of a serious question, but we don't do too many serious ones because this is all about fun. But going into 2021, uh, what is the most intriguing storyline that you're watching? Not necessarily like the media, you know, the media has all got kind of their storylines and obviously you're kind of part of the media on the show. Like, is there something you yourself are looking forward to watching develop or unfold? Yeah, I can confidently say it's not the fake rookie of the year battle, but I will say we are really fortunate to have a lot of great drivers. And I think at the end of the day, we have to remember there's only going to be one champion. You got Scott Dixon, who's the goat. You got Joseph Newgarden, who is goat in training. You have Alexander Rossi, who's hungry for his first championship. You got Paddle Award, he's coming off an absolutely fantastic year. I don't, you got Alex Pelo, who is kind of a wild card, could be good, could be a disaster at Canassi. You never know. You got Hinch back at Andretti. You got Ryan Hunter Ray, who's kind of getting towards the twilight of his career. You got Rosenquist with Schmidt now, Aeroschmidt, McLaren. You got, I feel like I'm missing Graham Ray Hall, never won a championship, is kind of consistently there. Sato going for number three at Indy. Sato going for number three at Indy. I mean, it's. I feel like there are so many potential storylines for this year of like who's going to win the championship, and I don't think we've come to appreciate enough like this quasi Newgarden versus Dixon versus Rossi battle that we seem to get every year. I'm sorry, I've missed Team Penske as a whole. Like Pagano Power, um, they're obviously. I mean, maybe not so much Pagano, but he still can wheel it. Uh, but Power for sure. McLaughlin, who who knows that guy could steal one out of the bag. I I doubt it, but you never know. He's with Penske. Um, I just feel Carlos like Carlos Huerta has won a race. Matt. Yeah, so it's true. Danica won a race, so you never know. Marco uh, races. <laughs> Marco won two. So um, I feel like this champion. I I know rookie of the year is kind of cool because we got three really diverse drivers coming to IndyCar for the first time, but when you boil it down like this championship, there's just so many good drivers that can win this thing. And it's anybody's guess. I mean, we should have a good picture after about four or five races. Um, but man, we have a lot of good talent in IndyCar right now. So that's a great answer. I'm going to say the next wave of IndyCar talent with a, an actually relatively deep 
Indy Lights field and a pretty deep Indy Pro 2000 field. But the you know Indy Lights field has Kyle Kirkwood, Robert McGinnis, Toby Sowery. Who else am I missing off the top of my head? The list is totally escaping me now. And I just looked at it like two hours ago. Nonetheless, there's a lot of guys that are really talented, and I'm sorry for those whose names I skipped over, but you know, obviously there's some there's some newcomers that have joined the fold this year. Carlin is back in the mix and a couple new partnerships and new programs and 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 Stingay Rob jumping up from Indie Pro after winning the championship. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see how the Indie Lights battle is going to unfold this year with the obviously the coveted scholarship on the line yeah i think you know for i'm going to chime in here because i was thinking about this as i was writing these out today but for the i feel like for the last decade we've talked about you know oh is there another team that's going to join the big three is there finally a team that's going to join the penske ganassis and Andretti's? but i finally feel like there's a chance that someone could do it and that's with arrow mclaren sp Specifically, just because of that we had from a couple months ago. What's that? Was this your drunk hot take that we've got down from a couple months ago? I don't know. I might have said it. I don't remember. You definitely did. <laughs> but I just feel like with how talented Pato and Felix are, like if there's ever going to be a team that kind of joins those ranks, it's a team with that young talent. I guess Felix isn't that young, but still newer to IndyCar, and also a team that's kind of got the resources that they have to make it happen. So I'm just excited to see how they. Uh, how they do this year. Um, and I'm also intrigued to see how having a uh, Texas doubleheader before Indy changes anything for Indy. You know, we haven't really had a, a big oval race before Indy in the last decade, really. So, you know, I don't know if it's really going to influence things much, if at all, but who knows? Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll save our Texas thoughts for when we, can, we hear more about all of the testing that went on this week. But Good question. What's next? All right. Everyone's favorite topic. Liveries. Maybe not everyone's favorite topic, but it's absolutely Matt's favorite topic. Uh, Favorite livery of all time. You can only pick one. Maybe you can have some runner-ups. And then so far in 2021, what's the best looking car you've seen uh, on social media for livery reveals? If I can only pick one. Um... 97 through 01 cool cars. And I guess even 02 is pretty good looking too. Um, I hate you. That, that couldn't have been your answer. It was my answer. Just furiously Google something real quick and find one. I, that's a... Just yes. Google 98 cart and pick one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the it was... I That's the thing with the old deliveries is like a lot of them had like one color that popped so in that case like the green and then they have some really good accents but i think at the end of the day they were all kind of just very simple but they still worked with the chassis and they worked in the sponsor logos super well and i think that car accomplished it all and was is just fantastic and i also love the idea of having two identical cars and then just throwing like orange tape on the front of one and having that be like the distinguishing factor other than the the numbers as like a way to tell them apart, which fans would jump on teams and social media nowadays if they did that. But I just love, love those cars. They're fantastic. 
Did you do your current one and the all-time one? Did oh, I, sorry. Yeah, you can go ahead with your all-time and I'll circle back to that. Okay. All right. I was I, As I was fiercely Googling, I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. I will go with the uh, AJ Foyt when he ran the roadster still, and it was the white with the, the, the red stripe and the, and the red number one on the, on the rear of the car. It's, it was my dad's favorite car. So I just kind of always have appreciated the simplicity of the kind of red and white look. And yeah, I'm going to go with that. As far as current, um, Man, I mean, I don't know what Polo's car is going to look like, but so far in iRacing, he's been running that black one that I really liked from last year, the NTT one. Uh, other two, um, Simon Pagano is running my favorite color, which is extreme highlighter, aggressive yellow. Uh, so I love that. I actually got a Nike hat on its way that is that color. Maybe it'll make an appearance at Road America if, if, uh, if I can think of it. And then uh, Will Powers all matte black 5G car for Verizon looks really good. It I I like the silver one, but the matte black definitely is very very easy to look at. Oh, the matte black is so nice, but in the interest of not picking that, I don't really want to pick another Penske car. But Scott McLaughlin's PPG with the white and blue, how they've kind of mirrored it off of ryan blaney's and nascar which is like one of my favorite nascar liveries is definitely up there but i'll also go pato orange and black orange and black is my favorite color combination despite being pained every year by how bad the flyers are stop shaking your head i know i know chuck it's fletcher yeah it's not even his i i don't know we don't, that's that's a topic for another show but now i'm you lighting uh all time is pretty tough. Um, so I'm just going to say one that's kind of obscure all time. I loved the, uh, the shell car that Ray Hall ran. And by Ray Hall, I mean the Brian Herta shell car, but also the Jimmy Vassar one, like when they went to the yellow and the Kenny Breck version. Um, and going off of that, I, again, hate to say another Penske car, but I really like the way that Joseph's shell uh, Indy 500 car looks, the black one that they're going with this year. Again, I know it's kind of obscure, um, but I just really like that color combo. So I also really like uh, Renus's car this year too. The red and white Sonics, Sonex, whatever the way you actually say that sponsor is. I thought you were going to say the uh, Miller Genuine draft for sentimental reasons. Oh, damn. Yep, I am going to have to go with that one. That, yes, thousand And then of course, the, the one year I'm not at Road America and they run it with Ray Hall. Yep. Oh, yeah, I was yep. that year. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty sweet looking car. Um, and I, there's something like nostalgic and this is a, this is a very basic answer. Uh, but I do miss the old Marlboro cars, whether it was in formula one or IndyCar, just because like, that's what I grew up with. And my dad was one of those guys that always stole the, the signs from the track and hung them around our garage. So like the amount of Marlboro team Penske signs we had hanging in our garage when I was a kid was just obnoxious. Uh, but I always liked the way those, those cars look too. Orange so. and white or red and white? I'm colorblind, man. So I'm just going to say orange and white. Dayglow. Dayglow and white, right? Isn't that what the official... Yeah, it's it's Dayglow orange, not Dayglow nah. red. Nobody says Dayglow red. Mike, no, you you think it's red, right? I I think I did say it was red, but if the answer is Dayglow orange, I can accept that if that makes you feel better. All right. Well, it's orange and white. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... 
everyone knows that you two are dog owners and dog lovers and animal lovers. Um, so we're going to bring the, the dogs into the fold here. If your dogs were IndyCar drivers, who would they be and why? Ooh, I, no offense to Jerry, but I have the laziest dog on the planet. <laughs> he walks like three houses and then sleeps for the rest of the day. So we're, we're definitely, I'm definitely thinking like back marker with the occasional burst of energy, like one lap just out of nowhere, like does really well. So Mar Marco Andretti. <laughs> I was going to say Sebastian um, Saavedra with that description. Yeah, he does have crazy hair when his hair gets real long. So, uh, yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with Saavedra. That's a lot more fun. Yeah, um, man, for someone who compares food to IndyCar drivers, I feel like I should be good at this. <laughs> uh, I'll go with Sato because Indy is incredibly fast. She's a really nice dog. She just has this habit of destroying things every now and then. Um, no attack, no chance. And yeah, she's very no attack, no chance on toys and not toys in our house. So um, what is Miller lighting? My wife would kill me if I gave any other answer than Joseph Newgarden, but I have to <laughs> agree with her because Miller was Penske perfect from day one. Like, dude was potty trained right from the get-go he knows when to play at the right times he's very well behaved he's clean cut uh so i would have to say joseph newgarden and if not joseph probably yeah I, it's joseph i was gonna say i was gonna before we settled on indigo i was pushing really hard for senna mm. yeah That's maybe i should have tried for sato <laughs> <laughs> i i was gonna say uh, no, never mind. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> this is recorded. Uh, yeah. I was going to throw right. someone under the bus real hard. Oh, gosh. I mean, we do that plenty. It's it's cool. Uh, all right. I don't want to have any more. Emotions. No, that's all I have. Well, all right, so well, well, we got to do one more. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to this year? I know we talked about, like, you know, what's the most intriguing headline or whatever. Well, like, what's just the, what's the number one thing you're most looking forward to this IndyCar season? Oh boy. Is this to both of us or just to David? Yeah, we're all answering. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with hopefully now I, I know we have our concerns specifically about Toronto this summer, but hopefully that we don't have six schedule changes in the middle of the year. You know, hopefully things start to improve as more people get vaccinated and whatnot. And there's less worry on a week to week schedule about what the schedule is actually going to be. I would say, and again, it's kind of basic coming off of 2020, but just having fans back at the track, man, like I miss watching qualifying for Indy and like hearing the fans in the back cheering on a driver, even though, you know, the attendance isn't what it used to be. And dovetailing off of that is, you know, seeing all of the the awesome people at Road America we've gotten to know over the last couple of years. Again, it's kind of funny. As much as I love IndyCar racing, uh, you know, I've just really grown to appreciate the fans and, and the people you meet. So definitely definitely the fans and, and the people at the track. Yeah, when you and I have had one or two or countless number of beers at Road America and we kind of get all sentimental and be like, you know, 
this is like a really cool place to be. And what this really is, is us hanging out with friends at what we perceive to basically be a park because at <laughs> times you're at road America and forget you're at a racetrack. So you're just at this place and natural world. And then there happens to be some cars on track and sprinkled in in between, but you know, it's almost about the experience more than anything. And just how amazing that place is. So obviously road America, I'm really looking forward to, I'm really looking forward to, uh, just talking racing with fans on, on Twitter, um, you know, sharing my thoughts, both positive and negative. I, I am not going to be an IndyCar cheerleader, but I like to try and call it as I see it. And that can become positive and negative depending on what's happening. Uh, but just talking to fans and, you know, if a driver does great, you know, praise them. If they do something wrong, maybe just like question them a little bit what's going on there. But uh, just sharing feedback, uh, doing some food reviews this season, getting to, I'm going to Texas for the first time. So, uh, don't know how that's going to go, but we'll see. Um, yes. Like Mike, we're waiting to see what the kind of feedback from the test was to see if it's going to be decent or another Texas race. So, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I am really looking forward to getting the season kicked off now. I think this has definitely helped. Um, definitely a different tone than last week, but, um, you know, last week's episode was constructive in a way, but uh, something that I think maybe has been festering for a little bit. So it was nice to kind of talk about it and get our thoughts out there. And the feedback we got was, um, you know, we got some mixed mixed uh, feedback, which is we appreciate that. And we appreciate everybody listening. And It's almost like others were listening because I've already noticed changes. <laughs> I, w- I mean, probably – I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it's probably, I, I don't think we're that important, but um, if the feedback was received, that would, I mean, again, we tried to be as respectful as we could because we know everybody uh, in any car is trying their best for the sport. So we appreciate that. And we appreciate the show they put on for the fans. Cause I know us three and many, many other people out there really appreciate IndyCar for what it is. Agreed. David, would you like to, Sign us off for the week since you're like the new boss. No, no, I've had enough of this host life. Because if yeah. I sign us off, that means I'm gonna have to edit this too, and I I got to cut bait somewhere. Yeah, you, you made it an hour. You're, you're smart. You're a smart man. Editing is not fun, and that's literally what I'm going to do as soon as we get off here. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This has been super fun. Hopefully, you know, pretty soon we'll we'll have our season preview and first race of the year preview. So I'm super pumped to be talking racing and not i racing. But thank you for all of the feedback on the marketing episode. I I did appreciate everybody's different kind of points of view on that one. That was you know slightly different than ours. And Matt and I kind of planned that literally like and a half hour before we decided to record it with no notes. So. Appreciate that. David, thanks for hosting this and the hype at the beginning and all the questions and let Matt sign us off for the week. I'm not editing this. No, but you can sign us off for the week. It's okay. All right. Well, I hope you guys all have a safe and happy week and thank you so much for listening. Today's podcast was presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. If you're a podcaster, you can apply too immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Go to podgo.co 
at podgo.co and let them know that we sent you there. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.